All right. We are going to be starting a brand new series this morning. I'm, I'm actually, not that I don't normally say this, but I'm very excited about it because, again, as I mentioned in the email, I think this is a really timely message. Um, I think it's a very important message. It's going to be about a five-week series, maybe six, unless you know God really does something. But right now we're looking at five weeks. And the, the title of the series is called Overall. Overall, because in our series, you know, kind of in our culture, we're seeing some interesting things that are taking place that that I believe are are very, very connected with some things that were taking place all the way back. And when when Paul was was walking the earth and and planting churches and helping out and doing all these sort of things. And so in one of his letters, he writes to this church and this church is is kind of an interesting uh, case study. This church is not founded by Paul. It was actually founded by someone that worked with Paul, but but Paul had a deep relationship with them. He cared about them very, very much. And this church was really kind of going really, really well. And then some things began to kind of creep in. Some issues began to creep in. Some some little things that began to creep in. And this church, in it really kind of needed some correction. It really needed somebody to come alongside them and say, listen, you know, there's some good things going on. But at the same time, there's some areas here that we need to look at and adjust. And here's the thing, like, that's a great thing to be. There's a great thing when when God will use people in our hearts and our lives to basically say, hey, you know what? There's some great things going on, but there's some correction there needs to be done. There's some discipline that needs to be done. And when Paul writes this letter, this letter of Colossians, he really starts to kind of deal with these people in a loving, correcting way. And I'm not saying that our church necessarily is dealing with some of the same things, but I will say that I think the capital C church is... I think the capital C Church at this point in time is dealing with some of these issues. And I think that in our own lives, we can also begin to kind of deal with these things. And it's basically this. The church there really loved Jesus, but in a lot of ways, Jesus wasn't over all. Jesus was kind of a great idea, but really what began to happen in their church and in their life is they kind of began to pull other things alongside it. And so it was, it was Jesus and this, or Jesus and that, or Jesus and you can't do this, and Jesus and you can't do that. And when Paul writes this letter to them, he really begins to want to help them understand that, listen, Jesus is over it all. Jesus has supremacy. Jesus is over everything. He's number one and should be in our hearts and our lives. And really over the next few weeks, we're going to take some time to really unpack some of these things. It's not going to be a book study on Colossians, but we are going to use that idea and that thought and some of the things that Paul wrote to kind of springboard us throughout this series. And so we're going to start our text this morning. It's going to be in Colossians 1. We're going to look at verses 15 and 18, and we'll do that in just a moment right after I pray. Father, we love you, and we do thank you for this time and this moment. Father, we pray that in this moment, my words would cease and that yours would begin. Because, God, my words are worthless. They really are. But, God, when you speak through a person, God, it can change everything. And so, God, that's what we need. That's what we want. That's what I want. So, God, I pray that you would speak through me in a powerful way. Help us to open our hearts to what you want to share with us this morning. We love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so let's look at this together. Colossians, starting with verse number 1, we're going to read from verse 15 to verse 18. This is what he writes to these people who, again, for them, Jesus is a good idea, you know what I mean? But he's not the main idea. He's not the central 
focus of their lives like he should. So he says this, he says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme, there it is, over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. He made the things that we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. If you have, you know, you mark things in your Bible or on your phone, do me a favor. I want you to look at verse 18 there, and I want you to underline that, that last sentence. So he is first in everything. Because in a lot of times, in our hearts and in our lives, mine included, I can't always say that about Jesus. Jesus becomes maybe 1B or it becomes 2 or 3 or 4 or 5, unfortunately, at times, when Jesus needs to be and should be the first thing. In a lot of ways, as we look at this whole series together, I want to kind of give you the main idea. I want you to look at this, and every week we'll go over this, you know, like we've done in the past, but it's in your notes, and I want you to get this, because really when we talk about main idea or main thing throughout the entire series, this is it. It's simply Jesus reigns over all and deserves to be first in my life. He deserves to be first in my life life because a lot of times we don't put him first we don't put him over all we're kind of like this the colossians in some ways where where jesus is kind of a good idea and we enjoy him and hey listen when things go hard and things go bad you know all of a sudden guess what jesus is first real quick i used to joke with my teenagers when i was a youth pastor going you know jesus becomes real quick first real quick on test day doesn't he when things are hard Usually that's what begins, Jesus becomes, really comes to the forefront. But I'll be honest with you, a lot of times when things are going well, or things are not going the way we want them to, or they are going the way we want them to go, Jesus begins to go lower on the pecking order. Which sounds strange, but we all sometimes deal with that in our hearts and our lives. And so Paul here is wanting to once again bring Jesus back central. If you look at Paul's letters to all these churches, when you really begin to break it down and really simplify it, what we see over and over and over again is Paul once again directing people back to Jesus, back to Jesus, back to Jesus. And I feel like in some of our lives and some of our churches and some of our world, we need to get back to Jesus. Like that is enough. Jesus is enough. But yet we think we have to come up with all these other things to bring alongside. And Paul once again wants to kind of direct us in. So I want to kind of give you a little bit of a roadmap of where I'm planning on going over the next several weeks so you know, so you can be prepared. So the first week is this week, obviously. We're going to kind of do an intro kind of to the series. Next week, we're going to talk about Jesus being over all sin. We're going to talk about sin. Yay, fun topic, isn't it? But I think it's something we need to understand a little bit deeper. So we're going to look at that in our first week. And these may change week to week, but this is kind of the plan going forward. The next week we're going to talk about Jesus being Lord over sickness. Over sickness. We're going to pray over each other. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit to bring forth some healing and some works. The next week we're going to, pray, we're going to talk about Jesus being over all emotions. 
There's a lot of us that allow our emotions to control us and let those things be something that, that instead of letting Jesus be overall and his truth and his understanding, we let other things happen. And I believe the last week, if I forgot one, maybe I did, I don't remember. Uh, the last one is, is Jesus over all kingdoms. I'm really excited about that, that message, and, and it's going to be exciting. So please be here, be online, because it's going to be a, a very, I think, timely and important series for us and for uh, the, the people that are going to be here. So let's, this morning, as kind of an introduction, as we kind of look at these things together, we're going to just break down kind of our passage this morning, because I believe that in our passage, Paul shares three very bold very vivid declarations about Jesus. He starts here by, he talks about it, it, this idea of Jesus is supreme over all creation. Look at it with me, Colossians 1.15 says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. He, in a lot of ways, Paul here is, is kind of talking again like what John talks about in John 1, where he talks about how, how everything was created for God and for Jesus and things like that. So he's kind of echoing that same sentiment. But that idea of supreme over all really kind of talks about in the original Greek the idea of like rank. It's this idea that basically Jesus in rank has been ranked over you and I and over everything and that God has done that. So this idea of supreme, this idea of number one, this idea of, of all things is what Paul is wanting us to see, and it's over all creation. So everything you see, everything you don't see. You look down, you see yourself, he's over you. You look out, see the mountain, it's who's over that. Everything that's created, everything that's done, he is over all of it. He reigns supreme over all of things. Over it all. So you go, well, but, but what about this? Or what about that? What about this situation? What about that situation? What about this cancer? What about this financial situation? Over it all. Over it all. Over it all. He is supreme. The question becomes, do we allow him to be supreme over our lives? Or do we basically look at it and say, okay, because this is typically what we do. We typically say, okay, Jesus, you can be supreme over here, but I get to be supreme over here. Now, the problem with that is that's not how this works, and that's not what Paul is communicating here. Remember, he's kind of giving this idea of rank. So, like, I've never been in the military. I don't understand a lot of those things. I know that there's ranks in the military, and I'm not even sure sometimes. I, I know that private's the real low one, and then general's the real high one, and depending on how many stars the general has, the higher he is, or something like that. But listen. For some of us, we live our lives in a way as a private thinking that we have the right and the resources to look at our general and say, no, nah, I don't think so. I don't want it that way. I don't want to allow you to have it in this way. And here's what I've learned. I, I, I like to study history. I like military history, I like the Civil War and World War II and all these sort of things. And here's what I've, my, my very, very basic understanding of military structure is. The guys at the top understand a lot more than the guy at the bottom. Now, here's what I mean by that. It doesn't mean that the guy at the bottom is dumb. It doesn't mean the private is dumb. But he doesn't understand the entire scope of the battle or of the war. Where the general, if he's a good one, does. A lot of times we live our lives in a way that's saying, I want to be supreme over something. And quite honestly, it's silly. And here's why. Because we don't know the entire battlefield. 
We don't know what God is doing here or there or everywhere. We simply see what is taking place in our own hearts and our own lives. And usually we selfishly say, God, I want it this way. Where our general says, listen, I want to be supreme over all so that not only can you win the battle, but that the whole people, the people around you can also do the same. It's something greater. And when we allow God to have that supreme over us, that rank over us, it can change our whole outlook and our whole world. Listen, I like this verse in Psalms. Psalms 97.9, it says, For you, O Lord, you, O Lord, are supreme Oh, here it is again, over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. Remember that song? I mean, I was going to say, when we were kids, when I was a kid, I remember hearing that song. For you, O Lord, are high above all the earth. Lord, you are exalted high above all gods. And, and here's the deal, like in, in our lights and our hearts, you know, you hear that word God and you see those things. And, and here's typically what I found Christians begin to do. And let's remember as well that, that in, in our book here, the Colossians were Christians. God, Paul is writing this to Christian people that were dealing with these things, these issues of not quite putting Jesus in the first place. And in this scripture in Psalms, we see this idea of, of God's. And, and I know at least in my life, like I go back to like, you know, Sunday school, I go back to the Ten Commandments, I go back to thou shalt not have any gods before me. You know, I don't know if that was Charlton Heston or not, but you know what I mean? Before he broke them. He was Moses, by the way. Some of you get that, some of you are completely lost where I'm at right now. And, and I will be mean, you know, well, I shouldn't be mean, but I was going to say, usually it depends on your age right now, depending on if you remember watching the Ten Commandments every Easter. But but at the same time, like, I would be like, oh, oh, I don't have any gods. I don't have any idols. I don't have any of these things. And you know what I've learned in my own life and usually in the lives of others? We do. They, they, they can kind of creep in kind of quickly and kind of, kind of under our noses a little bit. A lot of times idols or things, are, and obviously idol is anything that we put above Jesus. And so it's a real simple question. Is there anything that you have ever put above Jesus? It doesn't matter how good it is. It doesn't matter how proper it is. It doesn't have to be bad or evil. or It can just be anything that we put over Jesus. I heard one individual once say this, and it just really stuck with me in my own heart, in my own life. He was talking about this idea of idols and the concept of it. And, and, and he talks about how, how in a lot of ways with idols in our hearts, you know, like we, 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 put, we put our idols in the cabinets of our hearts. And I thought that was so interesting. It's such a neat way to put it. We put idols in the cabinets of our hearts. And, and, and here's why. We, we cover them up, especially as Christians. You know, you ever had that situation? Like, like you know, um, like I, if I would have said it, I would have probably said like we put idols in the closets of our hearts. Because I don't know if you've ever done this, but especially when I was a kid, you know, it was like it was time to clean the room. Oh, no, I have to clean the room. What do I need to do? Well, where does it go? Well, it goes in the closet or it goes under the bed. And, you know, mom comes in. Oh, doesn't the room look nice? You know, all that sort of stuff. And you're like, oh, just, just don't open the closet. Don't open the closet. Don't open the closet. Because she knows, like, the minute the closet opens, everything leaves the closet quickly. In a lot of ways, our idols are kept there. They're, they're kind of kept behind closed doors, but they're there. 
And it's interesting because when someone usually begins to kind of talk about the idols that we've hidden in our closets, man, I've seen some people respond negatively. I know that at times I have responded negatively to those things. Because here's the deal. A lot of us, we kind of look at idols and we typically go to this idea of materialistic stuff. And that's part of it. But I would say that idols really are things that we feel like we need. Things that we have to have. And sometimes we don't always understand that. Sometimes the things that is keeping us from putting Jesus first and over all are these idols. And here's the deal. Idols don't always show up as materialistic things. They show up as needs in our life. You say, Aaron, what do you mean? What, does, what, what are you trying to say here? What, what kind of needs? Well, let's talk about some needs. Let's talk about some needs that become idols in our hearts and our lives that keep us from putting Jesus first. The first one I put was the need to be recognized. Do you have a need to be recognized? Like, I, I want people to see me. I want people to praise me. I want people to, 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 to tell me I did a good job or whatever it might be. Or, or I want that position because I want that title in my heart. I, I just, I want people to see me in that way. That can become an idol in our hearts and our lives because everything we do will revolve around trying to get that recognition, even at the expense of Jesus being recognized. Maybe the other one, maybe, maybe you have a need to be impressive. A need to be impressive. Like I want people to, to go, wow. And so you work so hard so that people look at you and go, wow. Look at them. Look at what they've achieved or look at what they have or look at what they own or look at their kids or whatever it is. But you want them to look at you and just be impressed. Like, man, that person really got it together. For others, it's the need to be right. The need to be right. And that need supersedes anything else. It doesn't matter how much you hurt someone. It doesn't matter in your debate or in your argument how you make them feel. All you care about is being right to the detriment of others. Some of us have the need to have an opinion. Isn't that interesting? Like, you know, you, 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 you go on social media and what do you see? Opinion after opinion after opinion after opinion. And here's the thing. I, I put right and opinion right there together because I'll tell you right now. For people that have the idol of being right and having opinion, when those things come together, man, that's a, that's a hard place to be. Difficult place to live. For some of us, it's the need to be comfortable. You go, what? What do you mean? The need to be comfortable. I know that in my ministry over the years, I have dealt with people that have this issue. They are complete. Hey, you want to talk about Jesus' love and Jesus' grace and Jesus' goodness? Man, they are there all day long. But when you start talking about the fact that Jesus has some discipline for us sometimes, that he corrects us, that he loves us, but he, at the same time he wants us to grow in things, and when you begin to bring that out and the Holy Spirit starts bringing some conviction, man, they are not happy. They don't like it. Anything sometimes that comes into their world or their heart that kind of shakes them from their comfortable stupor is a bad, bad thing. And for some of us, we just have that need to be comfortable over all else. For some, it's the need to be liked. I want to be liked. I want people to like me. I want to say things. So you know what? I'll bend, I'll bend God's truth just to be liked. 
I'll, I'll make sure that I do things that, 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 will, that maybe are contradicting to what God has asked me to do. But, but you know what? I want to be liked. I won't do the hard thing or say the hard thing because I just want to be liked. And in some way, these needs are these idols that we've placed in our cabinets of our hearts that every once in a while, we kind of pull them out and we kind of look at them and we say, boy, this is those things. But you know what? To be over all means over it all. And what Jesus desires to do in your heart and in my heart is to bring us to a place where even though those needs are there, even though those things sometimes will rear their ugly heads in our hearts and our lives, that we can take them to the Father and say, Jesus, you're over it all. God, I look to you to help me in these areas, to forgive me where I need to be forgiven and to destroy these idols that are in my life. You see, what I believe Jesus wants to do in a lot of ways in this series is to kind of go through our cabinets a little bit. And I know for some of you, man, that's like, oh, no, 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 you don't understand what's in my cabinets. Listen, I'm going I'm to tell you a little secret. Jesus already knows. He already knows. Like, I know that might, like, for some of you, like, oh, wait a minute, what do you mean? <laughs> like, it, there's, there's no cabinet that you can close over your heart. Jesus knows your heart. And for some of us, what Jesus is desiring to do is to get those cabinets open and say, listen, man, you got this idol you get this idol of wanting to always be right at the expense of others. You know what? Let's destroy this idol. Let, let me be number one in your heart and in your life. And as Paul begins this section, he really is looking at these people in Colossians and saying, hey, listen, if Jesus is supreme, he's supreme over it all. No other gods, no other things, no other people over him. Number two, Jesus holds it all together. I love this. Jesus holds it all together. Look at me, Colossians 1, the second part of verse 16 and 17. Everything was created through him and for him. And look at 17. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. You know, listen, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to simplify some things for us, Okay. I truly believe that a lot of times the stress and the, the, the chaos and the craziness of our lives are because we have got this idea and this thought that it is our job to hold it all together. You ever, ever been through those moments? You ever had talked with somebody? It's like, like you go up to them and you're talking to them like, how you doing? And they're like, man, you know, they just kind of like the deer in the headlights look. And they're like, I'm, I'm just trying to get through today. I'm just trying to hold it all together. And here's what I found. Not only do we try to hold our own stuff all together, but a lot of times we're trying to hold, you know, mom's stuff together and son's stuff together and, and family stuff together and work stuff together. And we're just sitting there going, I got to hold it all. I got I to grab onto it. And we're just, we're frantic trying to hold it all together. And here's, here's the thing. The more you carry, the more you're going to be able to drop. Okay? If I sat there and said, okay, I got, I got tennis balls. I even thought about doing this, but I didn't have enough tennis balls. And I brought somebody up here and embarrassed the snot out of them. And I started handing them tennis balls. There is going to be a limit. And at some point, tennis balls are going to begin to drop. One after another, after another. And here's what typically happens, especially in our life, is as we're holding all of these things and things begin to drop, oh no, oh no, and then we'll try to grab something else. And then they all fall. You know, you don't have to live that way. Do you know that Jesus came to give you life 
and give it a, you a full, abundant life now. And part of that is the freedom to know that Jesus holds it all together, not you. That Jesus holds, and he doesn't just talk about th this idea of a personal thing, but the entire creation. He holds it together. He does it. He is the one that allows us to have the freedom to say, you know what, Jesus? I can't hold it all anymore. For some of you, you have been running around for, I'm going to say, decades with a bunch of tennis balls, and today you need to let them go and give them to Jesus. He holds them together. Listen to what Isaiah says all the way back in the Old Testament. Isaiah 26, 4, he says, Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. He's an everlasting rock. Isaiah wrote this thousands of years before Jesus comes on the scene. And then Jesus in the Gospels looks at his disciples and he tells this story that so many of you and I have sung as little children about a wise man and a foolish man and where that man built his life. Do you realize that what Isaiah is saying is paralleling what Jesus was saying? He's basically saying this, I am a rock that you can build your life upon. You don't have to hold it all. You can build your life on me and let me be that firm foundation because Jesus is someone that we can trust forever. He is an everlasting rock. And so many of us, just like that concept of trying to hold all those things together, it's like trying to hold sand in your arms. It's not a firm foundation. And when we build our lives on Jesus not on sand that shakes and moves, that we think we can handle it on our own. That is when we can experience the peace and the joy and the things that God wants us to do because we've built our life on the rock, a firm foundation. And so it's so interesting here because in this concept, in this idea, Paul is talking about the supremacy of Christ being over all. But at the same time, now we see this idea that he's not only over all, but he's under all. Listen, it's in your notes. Jesus is not just over all, but he is a firm foundation under us. And I'll take it one step further. Not only is Jesus over us, not only is he under us, but he holds everything together in the middle. The question becomes... Will you let it go? The question is, will you submit to his authority over your life? Will you build your life on his foundation and on his truth and on his word? And then everything in the middle will you give over to him? That's what he wants to do. That's what he desires to do. So not only do we see that Jesus is supreme over all creation, not only do we understand and see that Jesus holds it all together, but the third and final thing is we see is Jesus is the head of the church. Now listen, this is not, this is not the Paul writing just to this church here. It is capital C church. It is overall. And listen, I'm just going to be honest with you. Well, let's look at it and then I'll talk. Colossians 1.18. It says, Christ is also the head of the church which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. Listen, I'm just going to tell you right now, I love this verse. You know why? Because there are times in my heart and in my life, I did it this week, where I go, man, i got to get this figured out. 
man, what about the church here? What about the church there? You realize, listen, listen, I'm not head of this church. Jesus is. I don't have to live a life of fear. I don't have to live a life of panic of what about this? And God, how are you going to handle this? And God, what do we do here? Because Jesus is the head, not me, not you. It's his church. And he is going to do the things that are necessary to bring about the things he wants to bring about. We also see this idea in the writing. If you go back to the original Greek, this idea of head is also the idea of source. It's this idea of like the source of something or the, the head of a river or the head of the stream. They, they both here are used in the Greek word that Paul uses to help us understand. So not only is Jesus kind of the head, the leader, the one that we look to to lead, guide us, and direct us, but he's also the source of everything in that. Not, 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 not some great plan that I come up with. Not some great plan that you come up with. Not, boy, if Aaron would just preach this message or preach that message or if we were more friendly or less friendly or if we had a better building or a smaller building or a greater building or we lived here or there. What? Doesn't matter. He's our source. He's our guide. And as we listen to him, as we follow him and let his leadership and his headship guide us, we'll be exactly where God wants us to be. Because he's our source. For some of us, we have to also understand that he wants to be that in our own hearts and in our own lives. Not just in our churches, but in our lives and our hearts. Because for some of us, we, go, we don't let Jesus be the head. We want to be the head. We want to be in charge. In a lot of ways, we love Jesus as Savior. We've talked about this before. But Jesus is Lord? I don't think so. Like, we love the, the, the grace and the goodness and, 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 and not going to hell card. Get me? But it's a completely different thing when we have to understand that Jesus wants to be Savior and Lord of our hearts and our lives. And listen, I, I'm going to tell you right now, because I've done it both ways. I'm just going to be honest with you. There is a peace and a joy and a, I just, 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 you name the good thing, the fruit of the Spirit, okay, that you want to plug in there, that comes when we live a life of surrender and lordship to Jesus. Because you know what? I'm just going to be honest with you. Some of you are going through stuff right now. It's going to be too hard for you. It's going to be too much. You go, I can handle it now, and that's great. Maybe you can handle it now. But there are going to be things, there are going to things that are going to come in our lives that you're going to basically going to need Jesus. And you can, listen, you can go to him with the hard stuff and the easy stuff. You can allow him to be the head in your heart and in your life. And listen, Paul continues this theme and this idea of headship a little bit further on in Colossians. Let's look at it together because it even gives us a better idea of what this really means and what Christ wants to do. So Colossians 2, 19, the second part, it says, The head, which is Christ, from whom the whole body, look at this, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. Headship is something that God wants to bring about, not because he's on a power trip, not because just he can, but because he wants to bring nourishment and growth to you and me. Listen, I, I, I'm just going to be honest with you because I try to do that all the time. I get at least probably 
well, it's kind of calmed down after all the COVID stuff, I'll be honest with you. But before COVID, I would probably get like these, these letters in the mail or little flyers in the mail coming to the church. And they were basically, they were basically I call them growth conferences for pastors. And I remember, I remember one in particular that, that had big, bold letters and it was real fancy schmancy. And it said, it basically said, if you come to our conference, I'm paraphrasing, if you come to our conference, your church will grow. We will teach you the secrets of church growth. I read it and I threw it in the garbage. Now, I'm not saying that conferences are bad or that we can't use tools and understand things, but listen, if there's anything that's going to make you grow and me grow or this church grow, it's Jesus, period. Listen, some of you, I know it's, it's, it's getting to be you know, such a weird time in, in Colorado because, you know, like, like, like Thursday or the earlier in the week, it's like 98 degrees, and then like Friday, it was like 70, you know? And I know for some of you are gardeners, and that makes it tough, you know, because like you're trying to figure out when do I plant? When do I do this? When do I, you know, I mean, I want to have tomatoes, but it's not going to be hot long enough and all these sort of things, and, and we struggle and things like that. And listen, I'm going to be honest with you, okay? And I know some of you know this. But you can have the best green thumb in the world and you don't make anything grow. You don't make anything grow. Now, you can do things to cultivate growth. You can say, I need to make sure it goes outside at this time or or gets sun here or doesn't get this sun or this gets water and I fertilize and and I prune and all those things. You know what? That's great. You're cultivating growth. But you're not making it grow. What's our job as a church? What's our job as individuals? Is to get ourselves in a position, in a place where we cultivate things in our hearts and our lives so that we can grow. And then when we allow Jesus to be Lord, when we allow him to do those things, he is the one that brings forth growth. Listen, I'm telling you right now, if you look at me and say, Aaron, why is this not happening? Or how are you going to make the church grow? I'm going to look at you and say, it's not my job. It's not my job. I'm not here to make the church grow. I'm here to make sure that we do the very best we can to cultivate growth in this church and in our lives. And then he does the growth. But for some of us, we're not seeing growth. And you want to know why? Because we have other things over him. We have not allowed him to be Lord over our hearts. Yes, we've accepted him as Savior. But Lord, not so much. Listen, what we need to do is this. We need to cultivate our hearts so Jesus is supreme, so that he can hold it all together, and he will bring nourishment and growth to our lives. You want it all in one sentence? There it is. We make him supreme. We let him hold it all together. And he, in in turn, does what only he can do, which is brings growth and nourishment to you and me. It's so important that we understand that. It's so important that this idea of putting Jesus over all really does have consequences that we see in our lives every day. It's something that he wants to do in you and through you. And then Paul, I love it. We, we told, I told you to circle it or underline it. Paul ends this section, the second part of 18. We just read it, but he ends it with this. So he is first in everything. 
So he is first in everything. Listen, over the next several weeks, in a lot of ways, we're going to have to answer that question in our hearts, in our lives. And we're going to have to be honest. We're going to have to look and, and, and kind of begin, as it were, to open up those cabinets and see, is God really first? And here's what I've learned in my life and others. Sometimes the things that we put over Jesus are some really great things. I, I, like in my heart, like it's, it's easy to go, boy, I'm being selfish here, or I'm being materialistic, or I, I want this, this over Jesus. And, and we can adjust and go, okay, I, I know this isn't wrong. And we can kind of help, Jesus can help us grow in that area and move forward. But I'll be honest with you, sometimes we put some really good things over Jesus. Sometimes we put our spouse over Jesus. Oh, is, oh doesn't that sound wonderful? Our kids over Jesus. Oh, but, but they need me. And, and blah, blah. Anything over Jesus is an idol. Sometimes the, the hardest idols that we have are the most difficult idols to give up are the things that are really great in our hearts and our lives. There are sometimes even special gifts and giftings that Jesus has given us. But at the same time, it has to be him over all. It doesn't mean, listen, I, I've had somebody come to me and, 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 and talk to me. It's like, because they, they had some of those really good things. You know what I mean? They had some of those really good things over Jesus. And, and they said, well, but, but does, does that mean that Jesus doesn't want me to love my wife? Oh, absolutely not. Jesus desperately wants you to love your wife. Desperately wants you to love your, your kids. Desperately wants you to do all these things and those good things. But he, listen, he deserves to be first. Listen, I'll be flat honest with you. You ready? I love my wife. I love my son. I love this church. And I love the people in it. But I didn't die for any of them. Jesus did. Jesus did. He died for you and he died for me. And as much as I love those things, Jesus deserves to be first. He is supreme. So I just have a simple question as we close this morning. Simple, easy question. Will you submit to his authority by putting him first in everything? Will you do that? Will you put aside the good things for the best thing? Will you say, you know what, Jesus, I'm so thankful for this, 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 and this. But God, you're first. Jesus, not only do I want you to be Savior, and I'm thankful that Jesus is. Don't misunderstand me. But he's also Lord. He's also the head. He's also the source. He holds it all together. Not you, not me. And he is supreme. You see, here's the deal. Over the next four weeks, basically, we are going to look at other more specific things that Jesus is over all, okay? But if we don't start here, if we don't acknowledge and submit to his authority over every area of my life, or our lives, then we're going to have some issues trying to go, okay, well, well, well I, I want Jesus, I want you to be, you know, Lord over my sin, but not Lord over my decisions? No doesn't work that way. Lord, I want you to, to be Lord and be over my sickness, 
but, but Lord, I, I get to choose how I handle this or that. It doesn't work that way. And in a lot of ways, what Paul was trying to communicate as he opens this letter to the Colossians is that, you know what? Jesus isn't just a good idea. He's the only idea. He's not just something that we kind of allow to kind of be a part of our lives. He is our life. And when he comes and we allow him to do that, he can change everything. And that's what we need. And that's what we desire. Because for a long time, a lot of us have lived our lives with this idea of Jesus and blank. And listen, you can, got, you can have some number twos. You can have some number threes. But there's only one one. And it's him. It's him. So let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to come and allow him to bring some, some help and some correction, if need be, in our hearts and our lives. For some of us, in a lot of ways, Jesus is, is kind of a good idea, but he's not the main thing. He's, he's simply an accessory to our life, if that makes sense. And depending on where we're going or what we're doing, we, we grab our accessory of Jesus and we throw him over our shoulder and out the door we go. But if it doesn't fit our, our situation or circumstance or, or whatever, then, then he's kind of left beside the, 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 the hall room or by the front door. And in a lot of ways, that is, that is not what God has for us. Jesus is supreme overall. And for some of us, we need to acknowledge that this morning and just go to the Father and say, you know what, God, I'm sorry. I, I put other things. Some other things have, have crept into my heart and my life that I need you to help bring some correction and some forgiveness and some help in. For some others of us, it's this idea that we've been trying so hard to hold it all together on our own. And you know what? Jesus would say to you, let it go. Let me carry it. I hold all things together. I'll hold it together. I can be a, a, a covering over you. I can be a firm foundation under you and I can carry it all if you'll let me. Let me bring that healing and that freedom to your heart and your life. And for others, it's time that we allow Jesus to once again be the head, the source in our hearts and our lives. Yeah, maybe we've accepted Jesus and we've accepted that forgiveness and, 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 and that grace and that salvation and that's great. That's, not, that's an awesome thing. But we haven't allowed him to be Lord over every area. We've, we've held back certain things in certain places. And God, you be Lord here, but not here. Where God and Jesus deserve to be Lord over all areas. In a lot of ways in these things, Jesus is a good idea, but he's not the central idea. And Jesus deserves to be number one. And when listen, when Jesus is number one in our hearts and our lives some great things can come because now everything is put into order and into place. Jesus said, if you will seek me, seek first my kingdom, then all these other things will be added unto you. For some of us, when we take Jesus out of the first place, we begin to try to have ourselves add all these things. 
And all these things will never be added without Jesus being first. Jesus does the adding. Our job is to put Jesus first. That's what he desires to do in our hearts and our lives this morning. So whatever area you're in, whatever place you're in this morning, Jesus is here. He loves you. He desires for us to make some changes in our hearts, not just just so that, that we can experience the things that he has for us, but to prepare us also for what he wants to do throughout the remainder of this series and the remainder of our lives. So if that's you, will you just pray with me as I pray over you? If the Holy Spirit has kind of revealed some things or some areas in your life, will you just bring that to the Father and pray to him because he hears your prayers. He hears you. And if you pray and call out to him to help you in these areas, he will. He will. So, Father, we come to you right now. And, God, there's lots of stuff here, and and I'm not going to rehash it again. We know and you know. But, Father, if there are areas in our hearts and our lives that we need to, to put aside, maybe even some good things to place you over all, God, I pray that you would do that in our lives. That, God, that you would help us to see that in our hearts. That maybe there's some things in the cabinets that we need to get out. There may be some items that are there that don't belong, that, that basically we can hide for a while. But then those needs and those desires begin to flare up. And they begin to come up and we place them above you. God, I pray and I give you permission in my life to go through my cabinets to go through those things that maybe have been hidden way back in the back that, 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 that I think nobody knows about. Jesus, I pray that you would go in there and that you'd pull them out and you'd say, Aaron, what about this? And that I would be humble and submit and say, Jesus, it's wrong, I'm sorry. Will you destroy that thing in my heart and my life? Will you take that need that I have for this or that and intend, and will you transform it into a deeper need for you and what you have for me? Will you help me to grow in that way? So God, whatever the area is, whatever the thing is, God, we proclaim as a family and as individuals this morning that we want to make you over it all in our hearts in our lives in our homes in our families in our church in our community and in our world you are over all and we're so thankful that you are that you hold it all together Because, God, you have great things and great plans. And, God, we look to you to not only be Savior, but to be Lord. You're so good. You're so good. And we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So listen, over the next, with this week, five weeks, we're really going to kind of begin to dive into some really specific areas where I believe throughout this passage of Scripture, throughout Colossians, we see what God is really asking us to do. And I believe that as we begin to do these things, as we begin to put Christ over all, we're going to begin to see some amazing miracles and some amazing 
uh, deliverances and some amazing freedoms that we haven't had in a long time because we've tried to do it on our own, okay? So I wanna encourage you, okay, over the next several weeks to be here because there's gonna be some, I believe, some very important things that God wants to do in our hearts as individuals and in our church family. Uh, and, and I really think it's a, a, a very timely thing, okay? So thank you so much for being here. For those that are online, man, we love you. We miss you. We hope that you're doing well. If you need anything, please let us know. Please reach out. And obviously for everybody that's here, if you ever need anything, please let us know. Linda, thank you so much for leading us in worship this morning. You did a great job. We really appreciate it. Let's pray and then we'll be dismissed. God, we love you and we thank you for this time, this opportunity to be together. God, I pray that as we leave this place, that God, once again, you will instill in our hearts a desire to place you over all in our hearts and our lives. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great week.